Hello everyone, Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning and we have loved every second. Talking about audiation-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers. Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Hannah Mayo of Hannah Mayo Music. And I'm Krista Yadro of Music Learning Academy. Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. We are back today with Sarah Boyd. Sarah, thank you for joining us again. Hey, Krista and Hannah, it's good to be here. So uh, last episode, we talked a lot about your audiation journey, how you discovered music learning theory, how you discovered music moves for piano. We started talking about those first students that you had with the music moves uh, method. And we're wondering if you could just talk about some of those initial challenges when you implemented uh, this method into your studio. Yes, absolutely. It's so interesting to look back and kind of know that I I did approach this in a very haphazard way. (laughs) Um, I just dove in. I thought, oh, I have this amazing audiation information. I want all of my students to do this. So no matter what book they were in or what they were starting with, I was doing um, the watch please movement at the beginning of every lesson. And I was um, telling them, no, 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 we can't count any of those numbers anymore. We start saying my due days. And <laughs> that quickly <laughs> worked in some cases and did not work in other cases. I I wanted everyone to have share this passion, you know, that I had. And I look back and think if I could have known myself a little bit better as a teacher and allowed myself to know my, my students better, um, I would have probably approached it in a, in a slower way. But some of those challenges, I think, definitely stemmed from the fact that I tried to start putting everybody in groups, no matter what book they were in, because if you are an experienced Music Moves teacher, you can teach a multi-level group lesson very successfully. But it, I would definitely say that that is hard to do in the very, very beginning stage of the method. However, I thought, oh, it doesn't matter. You're just, we're going to all be together. So some of those challenges stemmed from the way I was setting up lessons, diving in with two feet, and also the, the challenge that I know we'll talk about later with parents. I did not know how to communicate what I was doing to parents. And when I was communicating, 
I communicated more from a defensive position about music moves than a pro audiation position, I guess you would say, instead of saying, this is what we are learning and this is what we are our goals and what we are going to work towards, I was saying, oh, but we'll get to reading. We'll get to reading. Don't worry. You know, so it was a mindset that I have now that I didn't have then. And I think that's really where those, those frustrations and early challenges stemmed from. Along with how I mentioned, I was very isolated. And that's, that's something that is really not an issue anymore in Music Moves. There are so many ways to connect with teachers, either virtually or through webinars and through education for yourself as a teacher. I can absolutely relate to that. I often defended MLT and Music Moves before mm-hmm. anyone even gave me a reason to because mm-hmm. I, I, and it, I think it came from so much of my own insecurity of like it being Correct. new And like, I knew intuitively that this was the way I was convinced, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of hard to set aside all of the internalized um, kind of like fear of something new and fear of presenting something new to your Mm -hmm. students and what their reaction was going to be. Yeah. So it is kind of tough to... uh, especially when you do it and you jump in kind of haphazardly because you're just so excited. I feel like I made some of those same choices Mm -hmm. early on. (laughs) And and they were, they were good learning experiences. Some things went great and some things did not. (laughs) And you learn. Absolutely. The things that went the best were obviously the students I was starting from the very beginning back then. You know, I'm still in touch with my, I call my, him my first four-year-old. And although in high school, he did play piano from four years old till sophomore year of high school. He made a different choice to move to a different instrument his final two years. But, I, you know, for someone to stick with, you know, many of my early students they are seniors in high school now, or even if they've moved on from piano, they are doing a different instrument. So many of those early students, it was absolutely a success with them. I would say the the challenges were the students I tried to like dump audiation <laughs> on, and they were, you know, going down this different way of learning. And truly, I, looking back in my own audiation journey, I mean, I took like a full year to audiate these different tonalities. And, you know, my daughter was a baby then. So I would be home with her and I would sing through the entire Songs and Chants Without Words, volume one by Dr. Gordon, like literally just like learning every song in that book. So I had a full year to acclimate and acculturate truly. So for a student who is going in a different path you or has been on a traditional path, it's it's a slow process and it's worth it if you go slow, but I didn't know that in the beginning. So we've heard about the challenges. Let's hear some of the successes. How did you know when it was working, truly working? (laughs) Honestly, I saw a change in my students with rhythm right away. They were bringing the, the sense of the pulse to the piano, to the music, rather than me trying to like clap it loudly in their ear and, you know, stuff it into them. So movement-wise, that was a change right away. I also saw kids, the young, my students that I started with, you know, from the very beginning, 
absolutely loving group classes. And I saw them having so much fun, wanting to come to piano, not wanting to leave piano. Um, I saw a change in myself. I was ready to walk away from teaching piano before I found out about music moves and music learning theory because I was teaching, you know, class piano and that was fine. But my traditional, I had private students um, during that first time as well before I met Dr. Gordon and uh, Dr. Taggart. And they were struggling and it was feeling like a drag to teach every week. And I thought, I love playing piano, but why isn't this fun? <laughs> so with Music Moves, I saw this change in myself. I I felt a newfound sense of purpose and um, I knew a sequence that I was going to follow. I knew why I was teaching what I was teaching. And I felt myself growing as a musician. And I still do. You know, that's the best part about the audiation journey. It doesn't end. I continue to learn with my students every single week. I have students who I believe can audiate in certain tonalities better than I can because they have been playing Dorian since they were, you know, third grader. And it's only been in my last, you know, decade that I've done this. The Definitely the instances of making music. Music became something that we made instead of something that we learned and tried to take off the page. It totally changed. And we touched a little bit about this before, but have you ever had any students or parents who were kind of openly skeptical of what you were doing in class? Um, And if so, how did you handle that? I did in those early years, and I call my early years like 2010 to 2014, because those first years of teaching were really when I didn't have any support besides Jenny and Marilyn. And in those years, Jenny knows that pretty much every year I was trying to decide, should I still do music moves? I love it, but I have so many parents who are questioning me on it. And even though the students were enjoying their lessons, I was experiencing a lot of pushback from parents. And they didn't know how to help their child at home. And that was definitely something that I could have and have grown in for how to support parents at home. But that was a big question. What do we do at home? We don't understand this book. Um, I had parents come back and say, you know, what is this word keyality? You know, and these were musician parents, parents who were professional musicians. I had parents who wanted their child to play, you know, the duet part and the melody and, and taught their student the, the full, like they came back folk song from Wales the next week, they were playing both hands together, not well, not with flow or comprehension, but they thought, well, isn't this what they're supposed to be doing? This is on the page. So some of those early parents were willing to stick it out and allow education to happen for themselves. And for the ones that were willing to have conversations, I realized, oh, I just need to let you know more of what I'm doing. So I did that through writing parent notes on the back of the assignment sheet I sent home. Jenny gave me the idea of highlighting or or just even copying and cutting out. Like if you wanted to have a hard, a hard copy piece of paper to send home, just one little blurb from the front of the book one where it says time to begin sending home one point a week for parents and giving them one actual little piece of paper to read. I also hosted a parent education night 
every year in those first couple of years where I would have the parents come over and just, we would look at all the books. I tried to show them an overview in the sequence of here's where we are going and ask, let them ask their questions. But then I certainly had other parents who weren't happy with it. And I did take it personally in those early years. It made me question what I was doing. It made me wonder, um, am I doing the right thing? And finally, I, I have a moment in 2010 that I clearly remember sitting with Jenny and she asked me, well, do you want to teach the way the parents want you to teach or do you want to teach the way you want to teach? And that was really my pivotal moment because I absolutely wanted to teach the way I believed children learned music, the way I learned music. And I decided at that point it was okay if I had to let some students go. It was okay that some parents had decided to already leave on their own. I did not need to carry that baggage with me. And from that point on, I knew, okay, this is actually, (laughs) this is the thing I believe in. And I am 100% going to look for students who want to do music moves and celebrate that and invest time in that. It is hard when you have students who are on the fence. And and sometimes you have to make these hard decisions to let students go when you know it's not working for either of you. It's it's a hard thing because you're personally invested in your students. But when I did that, it allowed me to invest more in the students who really were there to learn music moves and go on this journey with me. Yes, Sarah, that reminds me of how I have come to feel about like a certain vocabulary, you know, as the students are learning their rhythm pattern and tonal pattern vocabulary, and the teachers are also learning kind of a whole new vocabulary for how to teach music, but also for how to talk about the way that they're teaching music Mm. in, in a way that is intelligent and uh, scientific in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, if Mm -hmm. we're, if we're really getting deep with it, and then, and there is so much that you can say, and th- that kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode about like defending it before you even really need to, because there's just yep. so much exciting stuff you could talk about as under yeah. the umbrella of MLT and audiation and the way people learn music and the brain and, and how, how we process music in the brain mm-hmm. and you just get so excited, but Honing in on a bullet point a week is so genius for helping parents kind of see the big picture. And after 10 weeks, you know, they know they're starting to know as much as we do. <laughs> you know, if they've yes. had, if they if they've read 10 bullet points and those those beginning pages in the student books, mm-hmm. they're so powerful. And I think, you know, it's important not to just gloss over those, but to share yes. those with students and parents and read them ourselves. Those pages are full of so many nuggets of gold that even if you just made a habit to read or skim, you know, sometimes I read those beginning pages or just look at them before I'm starting a lesson. (laughs) They have they have the foundational information. And also um, in the back of the keyboard games A and B, there are the the pages that list out what different elements are in each keyboard games piece. That's something else I started sharing with parents and and highlighting and showing them, oh, you know, here's what is happening in Woodpecker. We are using this form of um, arm movement or we are working on this part of the keyboard geography. So there are absolutely ways to support parents and the parents who are interested really love learning what is happening because so many of my parents 
You know, a lot of parents who seek out piano lessons for their students, they had piano lessons as children. And unfortunately, the majority of them did not have a good experience. In my case, I would say the majority of the parents that I know said, well, you know, I don't play piano anymore. Or I, you know, I didn't understand it. And I was trying to play it by ear. So my teacher knew I didn't, couldn't figure out that I didn't know how to read the music. Or my teacher always told me this and this and this. So those parents are pretty excited to find out there is a different way in piano um, pedagogy. Because our, our field is dominated by tradition, uh, has been since the 1800s. I'm actually studying the history of piano pedagogy. So we are on a whole new, truly a whole new pathway here. We're, we're, we're allowing students and parents to have a different experience than they've really had in hundreds of years. Yeah, it's so um, funny every now and again, uh, especially with like a transfer student. I, I'm recalling this one story of a um, maybe 12 or 13 year old girl. She was just taking summer lessons. That's it. I was doing rote repertoire and book one with her and the mm-hmm. mom just couldn't contain her excitement and her surprise mm-hmm. and delight whenever the girl is like learning a piece every week and then improvising on the piece and like wants to play the piano and wants to go practice. She's like, I can't, she's just like learning so much in such a short amount of time. Like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes. When those instances happen with students, it is so much fun. And truly that's been one of the things I've loved watching my students grow over the years in music moves. Um, I have a student who is a senior in high school, and I've taught him since he was a first grader in book one. At that point, I didn't know to start him in keyboard games A and B, or I would have. But today, I mean, for him to have, you know, spent time in piano all of these years, he calls piano lessons an oasis. He says, I actually interviewed him for a project for one of my graduate classes And he said that for him, piano was a chance where he could create. The reason he loved the lessons were it was a chance he could create and a chance he'd know he would always learn something new. (laughs) And um, it felt like a break and a a a relaxing um, type of activity. So that was great feedback for me to hear from him. Well, Sarah, I think we have a lot more to talk about. So we'd love to have you on for another episode if you would join us. I would love to. Excellent. So uh, thank you so much, everyone. We will see you soon.